How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course. Get the limited-time offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses. Happy Friday, everybody. It's time for Options Action. We've got a jam-packed show for you. Here's what's on deck. Black Rock. A lump of coal. A case of mistaken identity. Carter Worth helps to keep you from getting scrooged this holiday season. Then, speaking of gifts, Tony Zhang has one for the home gamers. Both the options kind and rendered polygon kind. And finally, Facebook has recently become the poster child for the word antitrust. Professor Ko shows us how it could also soon become the poster child for a market pullback. It's time to risk less and make more. Options action starts right now. From rallies to rates to M&A, recently there has been a growing frenzy of activity in the banking sector. If the past has taught us anything, it's that any time there is a growing frenzy of activity in the banking sector, it could be time to slow down and take a breath. Let's get to our chart master, Carter Worth, to break down the technicals. Carter. Well, that's right. With the bump up in rates, regional banks have come back to life in a big way. There has been M&A in the asset management space, Waddell Reed, uh, Eaton Vance, and so forth. And so what we're going to look at here is some of these uh, areas of the market in relation to the S&P, but then zero in on BlackRock. So the first chart, what you're looking at, you have uh, three lines, actually, even though it looks like only two. The top line, of course, is the S&P. This is a three-year chart, S&P up 38%. Now, those two other lines are literally like railroad tracks. They are uh, identical, and they are two separate industry groups in the S&P. The first is... S&P 500 investment banks and brokers, that's Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, and others. And the other is S&P 500 asset managers and trust banks, things like T. Rowe, BlackRock, Invesco, State Street, and so forth. So what you really see here is that imagine on a three-year basis having no gains. I mean, unch, in a very bullish period for the S&P. Now take a look at a chart that juxtaposed these three instruments since the financial crisis low. And what you see here is of course their gains, but both investment banks and asset managers up 175%, the market up 350, big laggards. The final chart, uh, comparative chart in any event, is now adding BlackRock, which has obviously uh, taken on uh, sort of a life of its own. It is the, the biggest asset manager of all. And what you can see is that BlackRock has actually outperformed the S&P. It's really in a way a beta trade on the market. And so the final chart is just a chart of BlackRock. And BlackRock at this point is fairly steep, uncorrected, and uh, by our work, too far above trend, too far above the 150-day moving average. So close around 695 today, and we think you're going to get a good downdraft here. If you're long, take profits. And if you're in the short-selling business, sell short. All right. Thanks, Carter. So, Mike, how do you trade that downdraft? Yeah, so, you know, it's an interesting thing. Carter was just alluding to the fact BlackRock is the 800-pound gorilla of asset management. They're the biggest, arguably they're the best. Uh, when you take a look at the valuation right now, it's trading a little under 20 times earnings. That's not hugely expensive given their top-line growth of 4 or 5%. There could be some margin pressures when you consider that there has been pressure on fees in the asset management business generally. My take on BlackRock really has to do with the fact that part of what is, has 
supported it has been the strength of the markets generally. That's obviously very good for assets man, uh, asset managers as assets grow. Of course, their fees are also going to grow. So it has been a strong period. So really mine's more of a broader market take, which is that if the market is going to take a pause, then necessarily those that have outperformed as a result of its growth are probably going to pause as well. Uh, in general, we are seeing elevated options premiums. I'm not really inclined to short the stock on a fundamental basis, but I do believe that it probably is going to hit the pause button. And so what I would be inclined to do is sell an upside call spread. I'm looking out to January. I was looking at the 710-740 call spread. That's a $30 wide call spread. Now, bear in mind that the high for this stock was around about 718. I'm sure that Carter has the exacts on that. You could sell this when I was looking at it uh, earlier today. The 17 and a half bucks is what you could collect for those 710s. Um, and then you buy the 740s against it. Net-net, you're going to collect about $9.5, $10, about a third of the distance between the strikes. But notice that the break-even in this case would be up around the 720 level. So in order to lose money on this trade, the stock would have to break out to new highs by January expiration. Obviously, if the stock trades sideways, if it goes up just a little bit, or if it falls, those are all instances where this trade would be profitable. Tony, what do you think of this trade? So I think I, I like this trade a lot. And, you know, we have to give marks to Carter for calling the KRE rally here in, at the end of October, which really was on the back of the rise we saw in the 10-year yield and the, and the steepening of the rate curve here. But right now, with the lack of fiscal support and the economic recovery starting to slow down here, I think what you might see next week from the Fed is really perhaps some rhetoric or even a continuation of trying to push longer-term yields lower here. And I think that's going to stem the rally that we're starting to see here in financials and BlackRock being a good proxy for that. I think it's a good opportunity right now to fade this momentum we're seeing in financials. Now, if you look at Mike's trade here, the, the trade structure that he's using, selling a call vertical a credit spread here, in my opinion, is the right structure because even if BlackRock doesn't fade, you'll still be able to profit as long as it stays around the $700, $710 level here. But what I particularly like about Mike's trade here is that he didn't go out to the weekly options. He's choosing to use the January monthly options, which by the time investors put this trade on next week, you only have about 32 days left to expiration. That means you're going to have a slightly higher theta, so more income per day that you hold on to this trade, but also elevated gamma, which means that if BlackRock does fade quickly over the next week or so, you might be able to take profits very quickly on this trade. Tony getting the Greeks in. Uh, Carter, what do you see for the 10-year uh, yield here? Well, so the 10-year years, by all accounts, put in uh, an important base. And over time, we do think yields go higher. But we got as high as 1%. And this pullback that's underway now probably has more to go. So it's not a tailwind. It has been. Regional banks have moved a lot, but it's not a tailwind for now. Mike, final word here. Are you uh, bearish overall on banks? I mean, they seem to be maybe a reopening trade, which could be coming around the corner. Well, I, I think actually over the course of the last couple of months on many occasions, I've indicated that I was actually positive on financials. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a laggard. I thought they were due. I thought they were undervalued when a lot of other things in the market certainly you couldn't say the same. The issue here is not whether or not they deserve to get a bounce, but whether that bounce that they've already experienced. In many cases, it's really material, by the way, since October and certainly since that late August, early September time frame. Some of these things are up 50 percent or more. It's really an issue of whether it's going to continue. And this kind of a trade isn't so much, gee, we're going to go back to those August levels, those September levels. What I'm saying is that I just don't think we're going to see an unabated continued increase over the course of the next, you know, call it 30 to 45 days. Okay. 
So if bank stocks aren't a hot gift for the holidays for you, how about this? With millions of Americans hunkering at home, the video game trade has been red hot this year. Check out shares of Electronic Arts up more than 25% year-to-date. Activision Blizzard up more than 40%. Take-Two taking the lead up nearly 55%. Tony Zhang says it's still game on for one of these names. So, Tony, take it away. Yeah, I want to take a look at electronic arts, and I really wish this wasn't the case, but the rise in COVID cases around the country right now has really put lockdown type stocks like you know, electronic arts back into favor here. So first I want to take a look at a chart here of the communications sector, which is largely a sector that's going to outperform the markets as we go back into lockdowns. As you can see, XLC recently breaking out above the $65 resistance level, coming back to retest that level as support and now starting to trend higher here. So you have a communication sector that's starting to show some strength here. And if you look at Electronic Arts, one of the stronger se- uh, names within the communications sector. Now, Electronic Arts has largely been consolidating here since August, putting in a pretty large what you would consider a flag or wedge uh, formation here, but recently breaking out higher here. And the confirmation of the breakout above 135, along with the relative strength to the, to the communications sector, I think is constructive for Electronic Arts to continue back up to its 145 highs. And if you look at the the company itself, there's a lot to look forward to in 2021. You just have Xbox and PlayStation recently just dropped. Uh, EA is very strong on the mobile space. So during lockdown, mobile games have been extremely strong. And then you look at some emerging technologies like VR and AR. They're starting to to gain some traction here. So if you look at EA, trading at 22 times earnings, I think is actually relatively cheap compared to those other two peers that you talked about, Activision and Take-Two. So for those reasons, I like EA and the trade structure I'm looking to use here really accounts for the fact that markets are losing a little bit of momentum here. And I want to make sure that I limit the amount of downside risk that I have on this particular trade while playing for this upside. So I'm going to use a call debit spread here. I'm going out to January 29th because EA doesn't list February options at the current moment. And I'm buying the 135, 145 call vertical, spending about $6.55 for that 135 call collecting $2.85 for that 145 call because implied volatilities right now are a little bit elevated, offsetting that by using the debit spread. I'm paying only about $3.70 here for this debit spread, which is only 2.7% of the stock's value. And the goal here, again, using this type of structure is to minimize that risk to only 2.7% of the stock's price. Tony, quick question here. Is it weird or unusual that EA does not list options for February? And what is behind the thinking of going closer data as opposed to going beyond February? Yeah, unfortunately, the only other option that were listed were going out to March. I thought that was a little too far out at the moment. Um, It really comes down to liquidity. EA is not one of the most liquid names in this particular space, but um, and that's why they didn't list options here for March uh, for February up uh, right now. Mike, what do you make of the trade? So, you know, it's interesting. Uh, you know, Electronic Arts is one of those companies where, you know, their product offering has better visibility in many respects than some others. You know, we're not dealing with some kind of a trendy short-term thing. We're not talking about Candy Crush here. You're talking about FIFA, Madden types of games. I have kids. They play these things. They're using digital distribution now, and there's additional monetization, I'm sorry to report, for ongoing users to spend money while they're playing these games. And of course, people are playing more of them. So it isn't just a one-time sale. Uh, you know, these are companies that I think have much better long-term visibility on their revenues than gaming companies uh, did in the past. So I do like EA. I do like its valuation. I think the short term that 
Tony is using actually isn't just an issue of whether or not there's February options. You know, this is a, a basically a, a win or a lose situation going into the holidays. Are they going to do exceptional sales? I think they probably will. But if they don't, you're going to basically have a trade that's going to pay off or not by January. A longer term option spread wouldn't necessarily monetize entirely if it ran up to that uh, short strike. So I like the trade structure, its duration in particular, and I like EA. All right. Don't forget. We've got a website. It's optionsaction.cnbc.com, so check it out. We also have a newsletter, so you can sign up for it on the aforementioned website. Meantime, we've got a lot more coming up in the show. Misinformation. Monopolistic practices. Lately, Facebook has become the poster child for a lot of things, starting with the letter M. Tonight, we're going to add one more. Markets. Calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Go to cnbcmakeit.com slash courses to register now and learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course where experts share their secrets for a dynamic resume, coming across with confidence, what to wear, and more. For a limited time, save 50% with our introductory offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses. Welcome back to Options Action. I want to call your attention to a big mover in the after hours. Dropbox jumping more than 9% right now. Um, not exactly clear why there is not any direct news that would cause a stock to move. Um, there is some takeover chatter that was out there this morning. The information putting out a story earlier laying out possible takeover targets in the software space. And that included Dropbox along with Box and MongoDB. But we are seeing uh, that rise in the regular session. Dropbox was up 6%, extending that move in the after hour session. I'm pretty heavy volume. Mike, I don't know if you sussed out any uh, other unusual activity in the options market. Well, I, it's not unusual activity above and beyond the speculation that was already out there. Just a couple observations I would make. First of all, you're dealing with a cloud-based company. Obviously, if there is M&A activity, we've just seen a lot of uh, activity in that space. So that obviously makes some sense. There are some synergies. People are trying to exploit that, and we're sort of in an M&A happy environment. That's the first thing I would say. Secondly, with respect to valuation, this thing traded just up to about 2370 or so earlier this year. One of the things you always want to think about when you hear takeover uh, chatter like this, what might the share price be? Well, one thing you can probably guess for sure is that the board's not going to go for a price that is below a recent high. So that suggests that we would have, if there was a takeover, it was likely going to be higher than 24 bucks a share. And when you take a look at their forecasted EBITDA, it's not totally out of reach. It's not like the, the multiples here are so uh, out of step with reality. So is it possible? Yeah, it's certainly possible. And would the price be north of $24, which is where it's currently trading? I think so. All right, let's move on here. Today's market sell-off and tech's recent volatility has us thinking about, well, volatility. <laughs> While the VIX is still relatively low, especially compared to pre-election levels, there's something brewing under the surface that has some investors spooked, but it shouldn't spook you because not one, not two, but all three of the options action traders are here to break down the volatility volatility vexation try saying that five times fast and give you a way to play it let's kick things off with a call to action and mike co professor co yeah so we've been talking a little bit about what the options markets have in store for us in the early and maybe into the middle part of next year and what we are seeing is somewhat elevated volatility so right now 
the QQQ, which obviously is fairly tech-heavy, the six-month implied volatility of QQQ is about 40% above its 10-year average. If you look at XLK, which is obviously an even more tech-heavy ETF, it's about 45% above its 10-year average. And you combine that with the fact that the NASDAQ 100 index, in terms of its multiple to earnings at whatever, 37, eight times earnings, that is about 70% higher than its long-term average. Translate that into what's going on. So we're not at that total red panic zone and we're not at the fully complacent zone uh, as far as the options markets are concerned. We're kind of in this cautious little area. We have higher implied volatilities. We have higher valuations. We still have a great deal of uncertainty. And traders should beware. You can expect to see your portfolio bouncing around significantly more than we traditionally would. All right. Thanks for that, Mike. Carter, you're the chart master. So what are you looking at? Well, there's a, there's a couple of things, but I mean, one thing we know, valuation is not a good timing tool, but when valuation does get as stretched as it is now, it's the circumstance that often does set up drawdowns. In terms of the month of January, and we might have some stats here on the screen, I mean, basically, it's the fourth best month of the year. Uh, the odds of being up are around 63%, and you can see the median and mean gain is uh, there at around 1.5%. But I will point out, though, that some of the greatest drawdowns of all time have also occurred in the month of January. The 73-74 bear market, for instance, started right in January and ended up being a 50% bear market. Or, more recently, consider this. The drop in January, late January of 2018, just two years ago, the 10-session plunge was the steepest 10-session drop ever recorded, including any 10 sessions in 1929 or 1987. Big drops do occur in January. It's something to keep in mind. Tony, um, what's a trade that can wrap this all up? Yeah, so the one stock I wanted to take a look at was Facebook, because as technology shares start to underperform the markets, especially compared to what we saw earlier this year in terms of momentum, for investors here that are holding Facebook stock, news this week hasn't been particularly strong here with the antitrust suit this week uh, coming out. I think this has spooked some investors. But if you think about this, uh, you know, the news event here, the antitrust suit in itself doesn't necessarily mean that it's a good time to necessarily sell your stock. The risk of a, of a breakup here at the moment here is still relatively low and it's likely to drag out in courts for the next two to three years. So for investors that are currently holding Facebook stock, I don't think it's, it's a good time to necessarily go out and sell your stock. But due to the high implied volatility that Mike was referring to and the fact that you have potentially limited upside here for a name like Facebook, it's a great opportunity to potentially sell some cover calls. And with the elevated implied volatility right now, you can collect quite a bit of premium. So best practices for selling cover calls, generally speaking, is to go out about 45 days from expiration and sell about a 30 delta call option. So for Facebook here, that translates to the January 29th weekly uh, expiration and selling about the $300 call options, which correspond with its recent all-time highs here. And selling that call option here will collect 2.5% of the underlying stock's value over the next 45 days. That's quite a bit of premium that you're able to collect here. So the, I, I particularly like this because for the stock to get called away, Facebook has to basically get to new all-time highs back uh, by the end of January. That's a nice, juicy option. Uh, Carter, what do you make of that level? It's a great level because once you've uh, sort of stalled to the extent that a stock like this is stalled, and remember, the stall is a post-condition of preceding strength. Right? Facebook off its March low, uh, up much more than the stock market, quite extended, and now this stalling 
whether it's the pause and the rest before going higher or the stall that ends up being a rollover, selling premium above, great technique. Mike, what do you make of it all? Yeah, I mean, two things about it. When implied volatility is high, it's hard to shield your portfolio by buying options because they're expensive. Instead of shielding, you should be looking at yielding, and that's what this one does. You're collecting about 2% of the share price over a relatively short period of time. And that, by the way, in a very low-yield environment generally. And as both of these guys were pointing out, the worst thing that could happen to you if you own Facebook right now and you do this trade versus not doing it is that you will be compelled to sell the stock 1% above its all-time highs, which isn't a bad outcome for any shareholder, whether you bought it today, last month, last year, or several years ago. Instead of shielding, you should look to yielding. It sounds like you should embroider that on a pillow, Mike. That's a winner. <laughs> Up next, we are taking your tweets. You can send us your questions at Options Action. We'll answer some of them on air. We will be back right after this. How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course. Get the limited-time offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take your tweets. Our first viewer writes, AMD reached an all-time high this week, and there are quite a few unusual option calls expiring in December with a strike price of 96 to $103. Any thoughts? Tony, do you have an answer? Yeah, so looking at AMD, the breakout above $90 on the chart looks fairly constructive here, and it may seem like it could reach that 96 breakout higher to 103, but the one thing that I want to point out here is that the relative performance of AMD to the semiconductor space is actually quite poor, and that's quite concerning for me. Carter, what do you make of the chart? Well, uh, as a follow-on to last week, right, semis had a very bad week this week, and uh, we think most of them are uh, extended, and I don't think there's enough time to pull off a 96 to 103 uh, strike. Okay. Up next, we got the final call. Stay tuned. Final call time. Carter. BlackRock, $8.5 trillion. It's a play in the market. If you're worried about the market, sell your BlackRock. Tony. Gaming stocks are back in action. I like Electronic Arts buying a call vertical. Mike. Sell call spreads in BlackRock. All right, we'll see you next week. Have a great weekend. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Go to cnbcmakeit.com slash courses to register now and learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course where experts share their secrets for a dynamic resume, coming across with confidence, what to wear, and more. For a limited time, save 50% with our introductory offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses.